Imagine having the life of your dreams. Not temporary cash and glory, but happiness and inner peace. Explore new ways to be a creator and take your own journey into greatness. Is it possible? What does it take to make that happen? It takes the person known for extreme results. He's called the cage breaker and the ultimate catalyst. Coming back from the brink of death and now crushing it for himself and his clients, this is your Ultimate Life Podcast with Kellen Flukiger. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Your Ultimate Life. Today's episode 813 and I am so excited to have with you, have with me, with us, uh, Pamela Richardson, the Reverend Pamela Richardson. Pamela, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Kellen. I'm so proud to even be considered to come on the show, but I, I really appreciate your asking me to be a part of your podcast. You know, I am honored to have you here, and I'll tell you why. Because you have a heart dedicated to serve. Yes. You've made a mission out of helping specific groups, but people in general. You're a healer. You're, you're, you're lifting and blessing people's lives, and so... Those are exactly the kind of people I want to talk to. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad. I, I really don't. I really don't think of. I don't think of myself that way. But yeah. Well, you have permission to be cool because you are. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> well, wonderful. So I want to talk. To, uh, the, the purpose of this is to you know talk about creating a life of purpose, prosperity, and joy which is how I define the ultimate life. But I want to talk about you, what you're doing, because this episode is really to feature your work and your heart and your journey and how you got here. So I I'm not introducing you other than the Reverend Pamela Richardson. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit to the audience and um, tell them whatever would be, would be fun or good for them to know about you. Okay. Well, my name is Pamela Richardson Smith. Um, I'm a mother. Um, I'm a friend, uh, a daughter, a sibling. Um, I live in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, I have two children um, and I love people. I love people. I, my heart uh, goes out to people and I've really was raised up to serve. Um, my mother was a someone who I, I think I model uh, because she loved people and she was always helping people. And she was also a woman of faith. So I know that I'm a woman of faith. I'm a woman of God. I love, I love the Lord. And everything that I do is based in that principle, loving people. You know, uh, you, when Jesus was on the earth, he said, you know, if you are not one, you're not mine, or something to that effect, talking about unity and loving people the way you've expressed there is certainly uh, an evidence of that. What? T tell me one thing, one or two things maybe that you saw your mother do that made an impression on you about being a woman of service and a woman of faith. My mother was always helping people. She was always feeding people for one thing, <laughs> like anyone who came to our house, anyone who needed anything. If she knew someone needed something in the neighborhood, uh, she would, uh, she would help them. Uh, she just gave up herself 
and um, she was a good friend and she, she just loved people, whatever they needed. If she could do it, she would. And she would pray for them. And um, she was strong. Um, even with all of the things that uh, happened in, in her life, uh, being a wife and a, and, a, uh, and a mother, because she lost her husband, lost my father, um, when he was uh, like 37 years old and she was like in her 30s, like 35, they were two years apart, I think. And she raised six kids. She raised six children. And so I saw her, her faith really manifested and she didn't stop being who she was, even though she didn't have her mate anymore. And she continued to raise us in the fear and the admonition of the Lord and also to love people. Like that's the very foundation by which the Christian faith is based on loving people and serving people. And so she modeled that in hospitality. Uh, people, they love to come to our house because she would feed them. <laughs> And I also, uh, um, I, done, I mean, she taught us how to cook. So um, one of the things that my friends um, always talk about is how me and my husband, um, we had people over, especially on Sunday. Sunday was is that was that family day or friends day, and um, my husband would invite people to come to dinner and. Um, he, I would tell him, okay, so I'm cooking dinner and he would always invite like twice as many people as I thought was coming, but I would always have enough food. I always, it's almost like Jesus with the five fishes and, and the, two, two loads of bread. the Lord will multiply it and people would take food home. And so that, that hospitality, that spirit of hospitality, she definitely passed on to me. And that, you know, that's a heartwarming story. Just. And as I think about it, widowed at 35, and she did she remarry or did she never remarry? No, so never she's remarried. widowed at 35. You have five sibs, so there's six of you. And somehow she found it in her heart to support you, her, the family, a large family, to imbue you, not with a sense of bitterness and loss, but a sense of service and love, mm -hmm. and pass on that spirit of charity, and I don't mean charity in the sense of giving things, but in the sense of the pure love of Christ, pass mm -hmm. on that sense of service and uh, hospitality, which is taking care of people. And, you know, food, clothing, and shelter, I mean, at the basic level, that's what we need first before exactly. we can worry too much about all that higher stuff. You know, we yeah. got to not be starving, right? Yes. And so what a blessed, what a blessed example to have that. Do you think about her and your experiences with her often? Yes. Um, both her and my father were models. And he always taught us to be the best that we could be. Like, no matter what you attempted to do, first of all, you could do it and to do it at your best. And also to be a person of your word, like integrity and honesty was very important to them. And they taught us that. And so even today, as I interact with other people, I tell them, if I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it unless something happens and I can't. And then I will get back to it and say, well, you know what? I thought I was going to be able to do it, but I'm not able to do it now. 
So that integrity and honesty piece was definitely um, passed on to to all of us. How important, and I know the answer would be sort of self-evident, but I want you to talk a little bit about it because it feels like in our world today we've lost the meaning of words. And what I mean by that is if someone says to you, yeah, I'll be there, and you, you know certain people, you, you know it means if I remember, if I still feel like it, if I don't get a better offer, and if you don't piss me off between now and then. And that's what it sort of implicitly means, right? But you described a situation where if you say something, and you, you also know that because if someone really wants to make you believe, and they add all kinds of words, no, I swear, no, really, I promise this time they'll say all kinds of extra mm -hmm. stuff, right? But you described a, a version of your word that implies that it's important. And I want you to, how important is that for us today since it doesn't seem to mean anything? Yes. I think it is very important um, because it builds trust. And it doesn't mean that things won't happen that will cause um, you to have to change your mind, but the integrity of being honest and, and actually saying what you meant and committing to what you, what you said and following that through. And in case you can't do it, you go back and say, you know what? I can't do this anymore. So it's at my very core. Everything I do is based in that. And sometimes to my own detriment, um, because I'll try to do um, I'll take on more uh, tasks than um, or, prom or promising people that I'm going to do something. And then I find myself, okay, I have this to do, this to do. So how do I honor my word? So honor is very important uh, to me. And so what I found, though, is, again, that ability to, um, to look at what I have to do, decide what's most important at that moment. And to follow through. And then if I can't, if I have to uh, recommit to something, I can say to the person, well, I can't do it now. But, it, you know, I'm available at this, you know, time, whatever. So, so. renegotiate the agreement. So yes. all of this beautiful upbringing, I'm just uh, awesome, awesome. A mom and a dad that modeled that for you in service and compassion and kindness and hospitality. And it, it shows in you. So what do you, you know, it's been a long time since you were a little girl in your parents' household and you've had a few experiences of your own. So talk a little bit about how Pamela got to here yeah. right now as a beautiful woman of faith who is a reverend, who is about helping people. Like fill us in on some of the experiences that have enriched the foundation that you had. Okay, so <clears throat> one of the important pieces that was instilled in me was education. And so um, I have some degrees. I graduated high school, did well in high school, went on to college, uh, did well in college, um, and uh, then went into the, the workforce. I actually, by profession, one of them anyway, is I'm a paralegal and I've worked in the industry, business and uh, business and legal world for over 30 years. 
And so <clears throat> I that's another part of helping people um, because people have problems legally. And so, um, and the firm that I work for, they were a very good firm. And so I learned a lot of, uh, of things in terms of helping people apply that the legal knowledge that I learned to help people, um, whether it was clients or people that I came in contact with on a personal level. I also worked with the uh, uh, United States, uh, the IRS, worked for them for 10 years. And um, while I was working for the IRS, now in the meantime, I'm involved in church. So I got married. My husband actually, um, the church that he belonged to, I wound up joining his church and became very active in, in serving. And so um, I was a wife. I was um, a member of a church. And again, juggling all of those activities, taking care of my home, my children, and still committing to uh, serving in the church. So I, I did a lot of things in church. I served on the choir. Um, I actually at one point became a deaconess, um, part of the servant ministry, which some people call um, a de the diaconate ministry. And at some point, um, I felt the pull of God. So I went back to school. I got my master's of divinity degree. I became um, an ordained um, minister. And then at some point, um, God called me to pastoring. So I served two churches um, as a licensed minister. And once I became ordained, I served another ministry all in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. And when God began to talk to me, um, especially about the calling me into the ministry, I did not want to do that um, because I didn't feel that I had anything to offer. You know, I just, you know, you look at people in service and I didn't really understand what it meant uh, to be a servant and not have, you know, uh, this title of pastor or um, minister or whatever. It's just being a servant of the Lord. And so through that process, it exposed me to other people and more of, you know, just helping people spiritually, you know, first of all, to love God, to love themselves and to love others. That's the first commandment. So th th that's spectacular. And I want to dive into two or three or four of the things that you said. <laughs> Why do you think it's so important for us as humans, children of God, but us as humans to learn to love ourselves? Why is that important? Well, first of all, it put it, it you acknowledge that you have value. Um, you acknowledge that, um, God created you and you have value not only to him, but to yourself and to others. And uh, loving yourself, uh, I think, brings healing in so many different areas. It, it, it influences your choices. It influences how you interact with people. It actually influences how you even treat yourself and what you think about yourself. 
So love is so powerful. I mean, it transcends death. It goes on and on and on. Even when people transition, love is still there. Their memories are still there. The way they interact with people is still there. So in the society that we live in today has become more individualized. Love brings about community because you're concerned about your fellow man. And if you are concerned about your fellow man, you will want them to do well. You, you will want them to, to, to uh, operate or to live at their fullest, to live their fullest life. I just love that. So love is the foundation of everything. It transcends everything and holds everything together. And one of the things that we miss that you've so beautifully articulated is the, the, the willingness and maybe even the skill to love ourselves because we know our own weaknesses and everything that we've done wrong that other people don't know or whatever the view we have and we always are so not always but often so critical of ourselves and their sayings and you know you're your own worst critic and all that sort of stuff but learning to to not only tolerate but to cherish yourself as a divine creation, a vessel of expression of the divine love, and hands and hearts that you are that and love that about yourself. That's so important. Why do you suppose it's so hard today for people to love themselves? Probably because we don't... Um, I think there's something that you have to to be exposed to or to see modeled um, on a regular basis. It's it's a process because when we're born, you know, we, we were born with a blank slate pretty much. And our experiences, good and bad, influence the way we think, how we feel about others and ourselves. And so when you can see love modeled, you have something that you can imitate something that, that you can then say, okay, well, this is what it looks like. Sometimes it's hard to do something if you don't have a model or, and the other thing is that community piece, the support of others, the encouragement of others, the ability to be able to self-reflect and to understand that, yes, we are human and we are flawed and there are things that we wish could be better, but we don't let that determine who we are. We, we are continually um, trying to be better, trying to think better. Now, I, um, when I think about being a believer of someone who um, believes in God and principles of faith, there's a scripture in Romans 12, and it says, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. So every day we can choose to have ourselves transformed the way we think, what influences us. And we can make a decision to choose. This is what I'm going to believe about who I am and what I can do and how I'm going to respond, not only in my own life, but in the lives of others. I'm going to just repeat what you said for the listeners because I want them to really hear that. You told me, and I believe you and agree, that we have a choice every day about how we think about ourselves and others. And so many abdicate to what the external influences, you know, say. If people say stuff, we believe that. But we are sovereign and have the ability to think any way we want to and choose who we are going to be. 
moment to moment, hour to hour in the world. And that precious choice is so lost sometimes in the noise. I love that you said that. Thank you. I want to dive into what you, you talked about being called. And often I refer to that as, you know, those yearnings and intuitions that we have. We feel like our higher selves, the spirit, God is talking to us and giving us some direction. What are you feeling called to do? Because I know now, you know, your kids are grown. You are, you have a church. You're still in the pastoral work, helping, lifting, blessing people with love. Talk about what you're doing right now in your effort to add good to the world and bless the hearts and lives of folk. Well, I think the highest calling so far that I'm experiencing is to be able to um, serve people in the church. And it's not really just the church because you're serving them, their families, your the community that you're in. And again, it's all about helping them to come into who they are, to understand who they are uh, as spiritual beings, as emotional beings, as physical beings. And so uh, I love teaching. I love teaching the word of God. I love being an example of the word. I try to model what I teach. Um, and uh, and so um, it's really, it's sometimes it's challenging, but the grace of God is extended to all of us. And, and so I just want to be more like the Lord. And that's what I tell people. Like he, he is my example. He's my example. So I try to love people, to have um, compassion for people and what I do, goodness and mercy. Uh, I try to bring uh, peace into people's lives by, um, you know, the things that I say, the things that I do, uh, encouraging people. Um, I have a heart for youth and young um, young adult ministry and even women's ministry. Um, and so I'm even actually now writing uh, one ebook that has to do with tweens. And I'm trying to get through that uh, to get it finished uh, so that I can share it and uh, people can... Uh, receive it and use it uh, with their children, with their tweens, because that's a difficult age. And because I lost my father during that time, I know there's things going on emotionally, physically, spiritually, school, like all of these different things going on. And it could just be a very challenging and difficult time. So um, I, I think my own experiences I can use uh, as part of a way to connect to uh, tweens and to let them know that um, that they will be able to get through it and they'll be okay. And then so, with... No, go ahead. And then what? No, I was going to say, um, with uh, women's ministry, women, um, there's a lot to that because, they, again, a lot of times they are multitasking. They're mothers. They're, they're business owners. They are... Uh, you know, siblings, they're caretakers, like they, they, it's almost like, you know, think of Wonder Woman, they trying to do all these things <laughs> and I do them well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they have a drive to do it well, too. So you, you've said a lot of stuff. And I, I know you, 
you know, I've had a chance to be with you in person and feel of your spirit and your heart and the dedication. And so I know from feeling your spirit in person that you are who you say you are and that the spirit of love and the yearning that you have, like one of the things you mentioned about your mom is, you know, she used to pray for people. So I know without even talking to you about it that you pray for people. You talk to God on their behalf, and then you go to work uh, with your hands and your heart trying to do stuff that's good. And I I know that about you, and that's a a wonderful thing because we live – the world we live in is so much about, you know, what's in it for me and this whole idea of adding good to the world and serving and being here for that, being here in the world for that is so – so important. So let's dive in a little bit more to this work that you're doing right now. I know that you have a church and you hold online services, but the, the thing you mentioned is the a, a book, a guide that you're writing for tweens, 11, 12, 13, you know, the, kind of that age. And you also mentioned that was when you lost your father. And of course, that's the time of puberty and of becoming aware that you're a, you know, a girl instead of just a kid. And, you know, all of those kinds of things that are going on informed by your own experience of being in that critical time and then losing your your father. So what is it that draws you to that age and what, tell us more about what you're doing in that service. Okay. So again, uh, that age, and I believe it actually starts before it starts between nine and 14. Um, And what happens is we, you know, during that time in my own life, I was very body conscious Mm-hmm. Um, because you're in between, uh, and you have the, your peers and you have, um, you know, you want to look a certain way. You're, you're interested in, um, uh, clothes, especially clothes. And, you know, what are you going to look like in makeup and, um, is, you know, maybe even thinking about, um, having male friends, although I, I didn't have any at that age. I didn't, I wasn't interested in that. But it's just a lot going on emotionally, um, trying to just, you know, get to know who you are, thinking about who you are in comparison to other young people. And so there's a lot of comparing that's going on. Um, in this day and age, there's a lot of uh, uh, bullying. The social media uh, definitely um, impacts the way tweens um, uh perceive themselves, you know, and how they respond. And um, so it's just a lot of emotional uh, things going on that affect their choices, affect their school life. Um, If they don't have really good family support, um, that can cause uh, a lot of emotional uh, things to happen. And so we, we just try to, and, and, on one-on-one, I just try to, when I meet children or tweens in that age category, I just try to get to know them. I let them tell me who they are. And the things that I see about them, I encourage that for them. Like if I know they like art or different, you know, if they have hobbies or things like that, 
I encourage them to to really um, to just do more of it. Those things that really help them to know who they are and their talents and their gifts and to come into the knowledge of their skills and things like that. So that's just spectacular work. And so I heard you say a lot of different ways you support them, encouraging the exploration of the gifts and talents, helping them understand that no matter what's going on, it isn't the end of the universe, even though it feels at that age like it is. If this yes. comparison doesn't go well or if somebody says this or that, you know, it's catastrophic, cataclysmic Armageddon. And in real life in a month, they might not even remember. So understanding that truth and being there for them to support and love and encourage them is such a powerful thing. I want you to tell us now how what's the best way? So you've told us what you're doing and I know you're doing more. You've got women's ministry and other things, but this particular thing, how can people find out more? How can they follow you? How can they get a hold of you or, you know, get to this stuff that's coming pretty soon for this critical age group? How can we find out more about you, follow you and, and get more involved? Okay. So I'm on Facebook. Um, you can follow me on Facebook at Pamela Smith. Uh, if you if you uh, Google uh, if you uh, search for Pamela Smith, I'll come up. You'll see my face. Also under the Life Changing Church Ministries, and that's spelled with the two L's: L L I F E. Life Changing Church Ministries. Um, I'm also on Instagram under Life Changing Church, and also under my own personal name, Pamela Smith. Uh, uh, yeah, because my name is so long, Pamela Richardson Smith. Most things under my personal page is just Pamela Smith, and uh, and under the church's name, which is Life Changing Church. Well, I want to make sure people understand you spelled Life Changing Church with two L's. Right. L L I F E. So I want to say that again: two L's. L L I F E. Changing Church. One word. Do you have a website, Life Changing Church, or that's just a Facebook page? That's just a Facebook page, and we are in the process of, of um, actually developing our uh, website, so that's not finished yet. Uh, will the products that you're talking about, the book for the tweens and that sort of thing, will that be available? Will you talk about that on your own personal Facebook stuff and the life-changing church page so that people can get it when it's done? Yes, both pages, and my um, information is there. They can reach me. Um, the um, there's a phone number on the Life Changing Churches page and on um, the uh, Instagram and uh, the yeah Instagram, Facebook, and even Twitter. But I don't use Twitter that much. But basically, Facebook and Instagram, and under Life Changing Church Ministries they can find information of how to contact me. That's wonderful. Pamela, Reverend Pamela, I, <laughs> I love everything about you and all the, the heart that you're bringing and the, the dedication to service. Thank you. Thank you so much for being on with me on our show today. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much. I, I um, You have uh, just as someone who has helped me to continue to develop into the things that I want to do. I appreciate you much. Well, thanks very much. Now, listeners, I want you to encourage you to, to go back and think about yourselves because each of us is built to love and serve. That's how come we're here. 
And Pamela has explained the different ways that she's doing it. Your ways are unique and you're happiest when you find them, develop them, and use them to serve and create your ultimate life. Open your heart in this time around. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope that you take it deeply into your heart and decide for yourself how you can create anything you desire. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. As always, we'd love to hear your feedback and topic suggestions. Until tomorrow, this is Your Ultimate Life with host Kellen Flukiger. Stand with your heart.